And today we're going to look at the idea of the gospel. What does the gospel actually say? And what does it look like for us to recognize, not just in the world around us, but in our own lives, the counterfeit gospels that can undermine the real gospel? And so I'm so excited for you guys today. Um, we have with us Nate and Sharon Howard. Nate and Sharon are the district superintendent couple uh, that are uh, serving over eastern Pennsylvania, over the uh, 88 churches in eastern PA. They are a huge blessing to us. Uh, they've uh, been in that role for about two and a half years, and uh, man, we have been cared for so well during that season. And so I'm thrilled for them to be there from that perspective, but even more so, Nate has uh, acted as a coach and a mentor in my life life for the last six or seven or eight years and uh, has been incredibly formative for me. And so I'm so grateful to him and to he and Sharon for all that they've done. And so I'm so thrilled for you guys, whether you're here or online, to get to uh, have a connection with, with Nate and to get to hear from him. And so um, he's going to talk to us about the gospel. Nate, if you'd come, I would love to pray for you as you, uh, as you bring the word with us today. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so grateful for my brother. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to hear from you and from your word today. And so, God, I pray that uh, you would speak and we would have ears to hear. I pray that as your truth comes forth, you would unmask the areas of our life where we are um, we are following counterfeit ways of thinking. And instead... Uh, deeply instill in us the truth of your word. I pray for Nate as he speaks that you would strengthen him at the end of four services. It can feel very grueling. And so I just pray that you would give him uh, power and strength in a very practical way. And God, I also pray that you would give strength to his words from your spirit, that they would have power that is beyond his human ability, that you would uh, empower the declaration of your word, that his words would not be the ones that land, but that your words would fall deeply in our hearts. And so God, form us and shape us as your people. As we continue in this journey with you, God, we need to hear your truth. And so God, I pray that we would have ears to hear as your servant declares your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank Thanks, you, Brian. Man. It's great to be with you all today. Uh, it, it is a sincere joy to be at York Alliance Church. I don't know when you think of your church, I don't know if you think of your connection with a network of other churches. You know, you're kind of like brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got a lot of cousins out there as well, your extended family. Um, but whether or not you think of, of the greater movement, I want you to know the greater movement thinks a lot of you. We really do. Uh, York Alliance is a church where um, you are doing some things and moving in some patterns that, that we're trusting will spread throughout our region. And so you maybe don't realize it, but you have a lot of influence. And uh, for you, it's probably indirect as you're doing church, as you're doing your community groups, as you're growing in your faith, you probably feel like, wow, this is really only about us. I want you to know that's not right. You are having an influence that is broader than just right here around York. And it's not just you. Your, your church leaders um, have a great influence. They play, they, they carry roles in our district. Brian does, Michael does, Beth does, and they influence and share with others. So anyway, 
It's just a joy to be with you. I'm really glad. I've kind of known you from the outside and now four services, getting to know you a little bit here as well. I'm also excited uh, because of your series that I get to preach into. This whole idea of understanding basic things, especially through the lens of how can we know if we're moving in those things or away from those things? I, I just think that's essential. There are many counterfeits out there. And then specifically that I get to talk about the gospel. What, what does it look like to have a life that is lined up with the gospel? And is it possible that even being a Christian, even, you know, got, you got your ticket into heaven, all of that, you know, even all that, could it be that your life could be out of sync with the gospel? That's really the question that we're looking at. And to answer it, we're going to do two things. We're going to look briefly at Romans chapter 1. So you can look there and then you can see I brought an illustration and we'll walk through the illustration of the same. So Romans chapter 1, let's pull that up. Let me read this for you and I'll interrupt it along the way and make a few comments on this text. Starting with verse 15. The Apostle Paul is talking and he says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let's just pause right there. I want you to notice Paul's eagerness. I don't know what you get eager about. Um, sometimes I get a little over eager about food. Um, Paul says, I'm eager to, 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 to be into and to share the gospel. So right there is a start for you. Would you say that it's characteristic of your life that there's an eagerness in you, a even if I could use the word desperation, like that there's something happening within that you recognize that the answer is going to be the gospel. That's Paul's eagerness. And um, so I, I want you to see that. But the second thing is who he wants to proclaim the gospel to. You see that? He, he, he's talking to the, the readers of his epistle, his letter, which is addressed in like verse 5. It's addressed to the saints. In other words, the people that Paul wants to proclaim the gospel to, that he's eager, that he believes this, this desperation in him, that what is happening in his audience, that it's the gospel that needs to address that. It's the saints, it's Christians. Now, again, let me pause there. When you think of the gospel, would you typically tend to think that the gospel is a message for Christians or for non-Christians? I mean, most of us say, well, well, the gospel, I mean, the people that need to hear the gospel are people that are lost, people that are outside of faith, people that don't know Christ. They need the gospel. We got to get the gospel out to those people. I mean, that's how we typically tend to think. And you know what? You're right. The gospel is necessary for people that are outside of faith. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He doesn't say, I can't wait to get to Rome to preach the gospel to Nero. Or all those pagans in Rome. He, no, he says, I can't wait to get to Rome to preach the gospel to believers, to Christians. What's that about? You know you're in line with the gospel, that you're in the flow of the gospel, that you're not moving against it or counter to it. When you realize that even though you've maybe been, you know, in Christ or a, 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 you label yourself a Christian for a period of time, you would know that you're in line with the gospel when you say, my greatest need is the gospel. I have an eagerness for the gospel to be proclaimed into my life. That's what Paul's talking about. And I, I think it kind of stands out a bit. Let me show you this quote from Tim Keller um, that kind of describes what I'm talking about. See if you can identify with it at all. Keller says, The gospel 
is not just the ABCs of Christianity. You know, you, you learn the ABCs when you're in kindergarten, and the gospel's like kindergarten stuff. You know, like just when you begin to start in the, and it is, but is that all it is? Keller says, we tend to think the gospel is the ABCs of Christianity, but in reality, it is the A to Z of Christianity. Not, not just kindergarten to 12th grade or kindergarten through graduate school. No, it's the, from the, the A of your Christian life till the Z of your Christian life. In other words, until you be, as you begin in Christ and until you are done with life on earth, the gospel is the primary message for your life. Hmm. The gospel is not just the minimum required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom. It, it is that, but it's not just that. But the, the gospel is the way we make all progress in the kingdom. In other words, if you're growing in your faith, the reason you're truly growing in your faith is because it's a gospel dynamic that you're tapping into. Let's go on. It's very common in the church to think as follows. The gospel is for non-Christians. One needs it to be saved. And again, that's true. But once saved, you, you don't grow through the gospel. That's in our heads. But you grow through hard work and obedience. You grow through trying harder. You, you, you grow through promised power. But the Bible shows that's a mistake. All our problems come a failure to apply the gospel. Thus, when Paul left the Ephesians, he committed them to the word of his grace. He committed them to the gospel, which the gospel can build you up. It's that kind of thinking that led the apostle Paul to say, I can't wait to get to preach the gospel to you. Everything that you're living, everything that needs to be addressed will be addressed. You will grow up through the gospel. Let me point out back again in the text in Romans, Romans 1 a, a few words that describe why Paul would be so eager that Christians would experience the gospel. Let's go on. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The words that I want you to see are the word power and salvation. In other words, when you find yourself as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you find yourself powerless. Do you know what you need? You need, you need the gospel. When you find yourself in need of salvation, in other words, when you feel bound, stuck, when you feel that there are things in your life, in your relationships, in, in the way you're doing life that you say, I am powerless to break through in this area. There are habits that have me hindered, that have me bound up. I cannot get to where I want to go as a follower of Christ because I'm powerless. Do you know what you need? You need the gospel because your powerlessness will be addressed through the gospel. Let's go on. For in it, in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The, the, the word I want to point out there is the word righteousness. There's something that happens in a life through the gospel that results in righteousness. I don't know what you think of the word righteousness. Um, I, I have a guess of that you probably think it's right behavior. And there is a sense that behaving right is a righteous thing to do. But I want you to know that before righteousness is ever expressed externally, it reflects righteousness that is internal. 
In fact, if it's a righteousness that's external that doesn't reflect righteousness that's internal, it's no righteousness at all. In other words, if there's nastiness in your heart and a smile on your face, the smile isn't as righteous as it looks. The gospel does something that it changes us so that we become righteous people inside and out. Where stuff in your life that you look at it and you just say, that's just wrong. That is just messed up. That is not right. When you look at your marriage or your family or your community or your society and you say, that is messed up. That's wrong. What you're crying for is righteousness because when righteousness is lived internally and externally, it results in things being right. And if you have a need for righteousness in your life or in your community or in your family, that's going to come by the gospel. Because in the gospel, the, the righteousness of God is revealed. Last thing I want to show you here before we move into the illustration is the phrase, from faith for faith. <clears throat> this is where I convinced that Paul is saying the gospel is for believers because he says that the gospel is from faith for faith. You go, what does that mean? If you look in your footnotes in your Bible, it may say from, be from first to last or from the beginning until the end. In other words, this gospel experience is not a one-time faith experience that you had sometime in the past. But the gospel is a present tense experience from faith for faith. In other words, one step of faith to another step of faith. You grow and develop in your life with Christ because you, listen, you receive the gospel in deeper and deeper ways that transform you from one level of faith to another. Because... Because the gospel is lived out one step of faith to another. Because the gospel provides a rightness about life. Because the gospel is a setting free power for believers as well as unbelievers. Paul said, I can't wait to get to Rome. Because everything that you're dealing with, that you're in need of, what you truly are in need of is the gospel and I want to proclaim it to you. Now, we're, we're talking in this basic series about how do you know if you're in alignment with the gospel or if you're out of alignment with the gospel. That text in Romans 1 will give you kind of that answer. Do you view your powerlessness, your need to be set free, your rightness and your growth in Christ, do you view those as gospel issues? If so, then yeah, you're in line with the gospel. But if you're thinking, no, yeah, pretty much my, all those things come through something else, then you're out of line with the gospel. Let me show you that here in my handy-dandy ladder. I call it my gospel ladder. Um, I take it with me and preach with it a lot. You'll see I, I don't borrow somebody else's because this has little signs for each rung of the ladder. If you guys can't see it, you're going to see what is written here on the screen as well. So let me just walk this through you simply. What I'm hoping is that I will burn a memory in your head and you will start to see the gospel ladder in the way that you live your life because this will really point to are you living in line with the gospel or are you out of step with the gospel, okay? So let's start up here at the top. It starts with, if you can read it out loud, read it out loud. Who God is. All gospel thinking starts with who God is. 
And as you move down the ladder this way, the key word between each rung is the word because. Because of who God is, there are certain things that God does. This is God's being, who God is. This is God's doing, what God does. And God is the most emotionally healthy, mature individual of all time that his doing always proceeds from his being. If you're a person of integrity, your, your doing flows out of who you are. If your doing flows out of something that isn't in alignment with that, you're a hypocrite. You're, you're, you're putting on an impression. You're giving people an impression that you are something that you're not. But God's not like that. Everything that God does flows out of who God is. Okay, because of who God is, there are certain things that God does. Now let's keep on going. Because of who God is and because of what God has done, that makes me who I am. Before my actions are ever involved, before I ever do anything, because the last rung of the ladder is what I do, but before my actions are ever involved, the reality of my life is this. I am who I am because of what God has done. And God has done what he's done because of who he is. And that makes me who I am. Now that's all probably kind of like just jargon for you. So let me just see if I can give you one illustration of it. Okay? God is kind God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is also just. He does what's right all the time. God is smart. He thinks clearly. He's very rational. He doesn't do anything that doesn't make sense. That's who God is. And because of who God is, on my behalf, on your behalf, he has done certain things because of who he has. He has done certain things, particularly in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came, that's a doing. He came, he lived, that's a doing. He lived a sinless life. He died a death for sinners. That's what he did. But he did those things because of who he is. Right? Now, what does that say about who I am? Even before I do anything, even before I call on the name of the Lord, even before I pray a prayer of repentance, even before I walk to an altar and I surrender my life to Christ, before I do anything, what does what, who God is and what has he done, what does that make me? And I can give you an answer. For those of you that may be listening, you've never ever heard anything about Christ. Let me tell you, because of who God is and what he's done, what that makes you. It makes you this, wanted desirable, invited, called. Before you ever respond to God, the reason that you respond to God is because God takes initiative in your life saying, I want you. Now, can you imagine not just beginning your faith experience, but living your entire faith experience through the lens that God wants you, that God desires you, that God longs for you. You are a longed for one. You are a delighted in one. Something like that. That's who you are. 
And as a result of who you are, something actually happens between this rung and this rung, between who I am and what I do. Something actually happens in there. Let me describe it. Because of who God is, because of what God has done, it makes me who I am. And right here in between these two, when I come to a faith awareness of this reality, something shifts in my soul. It's actually called worship, and it looks like this. Wow. It actually happened to you when I was describing this, when I said, who are you? You're, you're what wanted, and you went, oh, right? You're like, whoa. It happens to us. When by the Holy Spirit, it actually penetrates our heart. We go, like, in my personality, we go, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? Like, God wants me? When that clicks in your heart, it changes what you do. When as a result of who God is and what he's done, it makes sense to you and it clicks in your heart, it actually changes the way that you live your life. So it goes this way. Because of who God is, God does. And because of who God is and what God does, it makes me who I am. And because of who I am, I do what I do. That's gospel thinking. Now let me tell you, there's a counterfeit gospel. It's a false gospel. It is no gospel at all. Let me describe it. It's the exact same thing in the opposite direction. What happens if you live your life not because of who God is, because of what God done, because of what that makes you? What happens if you live based on if language? It goes like this. If I do enough, I will become something. Have you ever lived your life that way? If I'm pretty enough, if I'm smart enough, if I'm good enough, if I'm kind enough, if, I'm, if I can be in control enough, then I will be okay. What happens when your okayness is dependent on your performance? Is that a very good way to live? No, because every situation that comes up that like triggers you, everything that comes up that you're a little bit unsettled by it, your first thought will be, what do I have to do? And I will only be okay if I can pull this one off. That, my friends, there's no power in that. That is not saving you. It doesn't rescue you. That's not right. There's no righteousness in there. And that's not a life by faith at all. What you need when your knee-jerk reaction is that you somehow are the fixer of what's wrong in your world. When you live that way, what you need is the gospel because you're trying to live the false gospel which goes from here up. What I do makes me who I am. There are so many people on planet Earth, they just live between these two rungs over and over. They read a situation, they feel unsafe. They read a situation, they feel insecure. They read a situation, they feel like they're not enough. They read a situation, they feel like the people around them are, on, are, are against them. They read a situation, they think, hey, I'm never going to be able to meet my, my goals and objectives. They read a situation and they say, oh, my family's in trouble. They read a situation and say, I feel lonely in myself. And the first thing they do is, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? We get a little sore behind our ear. We Google, what does a sore behind the ear mean? And we look and we go, oh my God, like, 
like I'm in big trouble. What do I got to do? Friends, that's a powerless way to live. It's a, it's a, light, it's a life-sucking way to live, and it's not the gospel, but so many people live their whole way like that. Even, even inside the church, because we get God in this act as well. And, and it goes like this for us. What do I do? If I do so much, then I will become some, something. And, and if I am something, then God will do something for me. How many times do you try to get God to, like, support your agendas? Like, you know what you need, but the problem is you can't make it happen. So you think, what do I have to do so that I will be in favor with God, that God will look positively upon me. Because right now, I think God's down on me. God's going to punish me like God's against me. Whenever anything hard happens, I think, what did I do wrong? Like, I, I probably better do something to change my status before God. Then I can get God to do something for me. We live up the ladder, trying to, like, twist God's arm to do stuff for us. Now, come on. My guess is every one of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So you have a problem in your life, and the first thing you say, what do I got to do? Well, I got to pray to get God to change us. So, I, well, I haven't really prayed very much recently, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray more. And if that doesn't work, you fast. <laughs> like, I'm going to like fast. Like, oh, I'm going to get God, or I'll tithe more. I'll give a little bit more money to church. Or I, I haven't been going to church enough. I've only been doing the online thing. Like, I, I really need to be in church again. So I got to do more. But the whole objective is to get God to do for me. But here's where it ends. When we live up the ladder, eventually we draw conclusions about who God is based on what he's done for us recently based on as he responded to all my attempts to prove that I am worthy. And eventually, God is in the docket and we judge him and eventually we say, what's wrong with you, God, anyway? I don't think you're that good. What have you done recently for me? That's a false gospel way of living. Let me throw one more illustration at you, and then, um, and then I have a takeaway for you. Have you ever paid attention to the reasons why we do some of the stuff that we do? Like, have you ever um, been in a situation and someone says, how are you doing? And the first thing out of your mouth is a lie. You know what I mean? Like, how are you doing? Oh, Awesome awesome and in some some church cultures like like that's what we do then there's like this follow-up question like oh no really tell me how you are and the reason we have to say the oh no really tell me how you are is because we know everybody's lying <laughs> it's just we develop a church culture of lying like yeah i'm awesome awesome <laughs> praising jesus top of the world victorious lie why do we do that that's what we do. Why do we do that? The reason why we do it is because we're trying to secure a status. Because the truth is, is that we, if we allowed people to know really where we're at, we would feel rejected. We would feel ostracized. We'd feel like we're outsiders. So we have to always put on a 
and act affront. We have to do the Christian things, say the Christian words, because it's all really based on how well I'm doing. That would be a sign of living that way. Could you imagine in community with others, you live this way? Because of who God is and because of what God has done on your behalf. There is a name that is given to you. There is a status that has been given to you in Christ. That you are fully accepted. As you are. That God does not like, um, remember the, the, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. God doesn't do that with you. God doesn't say one day, good job, love you. Next day, bad job, get out of here. God doesn't do that. His love for you is fixed in Christ. You say, no way. Hi, you're getting down to the worship part. You're struggling with the worship part. Because when you realize who you are in Christ, it will transform the way that you live. And you will see that there's a level playing field at the cross of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, we're all really, 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 really broken. In fact, there's two kinds of people in most churches. There's messy people. They are obviously messy. Now you're starting to feel uncomfortable because you think I'm talking about you because you know you're a mess. And you think like, everybody's looking at me like I'm the messy one in this room. Like my life is broken and I, it's so broken I can't even hide it. That's one kind of people in church. You know the other kind of people in church? People equally messy equally broken they just hide it really well you start to understand the gospel and you'll start to say wow what do I really have to hide because everything that's true about me about how really how bad I am is proved at the cross of Jesus Christ that he had to die for my sins and my only says just as I am without one plea without one argument without one way to cover myself without one mask I got nothing the only thing that I have is that you died for me because of who you are and that changed who I am and I can rest in that now friends but that doesn't mean that you're like super transparent and that you like expose every wart and wrinkle about your life to everybody you don't have to do that but you do do that with a few but you are authentic with everyone you may not be transparent with everybody but you are authentic with everybody that you're a person of integrity that you're doing in your speech and your appearance flow out of a settled sense of who you are. Friends, I could go on and on and on. This is what it means to have the gospel just go deeper and deeper and deeper in your soul from faith forth faith, from the beginning to the end, from A to Z. And listen, it makes you righteous. That instead of looking at your life and you go, man, that is just so messed up. That's so, you go, wow, there's this rightness that's happening in my life. That gives you power that saves you and sets you free. That's why Paul was eager 
to preach the gospel to Christians. Let me end with this. Can I give you a takeaway? Like something to do. <laughs> not, not, uh, not, not to start down here, but out of the reality of a, can I give you a suggestion of something to do? Here's what I would suggest. Um, next time you face a situation where your knee-jerk reaction is, what do I have to do? Okay, we, we all do that. Like, we've got huge problems going on in our extended family right now. There's real brokenness in relationships among my sons. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. It's not a fun family to be part of right now. That's our reality. My first tendency always is, I'm the dad. What am I supposed to do? Right? So we, we all do it. So here's what I'm saying. When you feel the urge to fix it, to control it, to take charge, to turn it around, it's all dependent on you. Here's my suggestion. Just pause. Just pause. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't just stand there, do something? Here's what I want to suggest. Don't just do something, stand there. Just pause. And ask yourself a different set of questions. Instead of asking yourself the question, what do I have to do? Ask yourself the question, is there any reality about who God is that might influence what's happening right now? Is God near or far away? Has God rejected me or is he for me? Just ask questions. Who is God? Ask yourself the question, has God done anything on my behalf out of his goodness? Has God done anything on my behalf that may change the way I look at this situation? Ask yourself a different set of questions. Ask yourself the question, because of who God is and what God has done, does that change who I am? Even before I engage in this, am I really as unsafe as I feel like I am right now? Is, am I really in jeopardy like I feel like I am right now? Am I really rejected like I feel like I am right now? Is that my reality? Who am I based on what he has done, based on who he is? Simply pause and ask yourself those questions without doing anything. And see what happens. My guess is that there'll come a time where you go, wow, based on that reality, there is something that I want to do, but it's a different kind of doing. It's not a striving. It's not a have to. It's more of a get to. So Jesus, as my brothers and sisters continue their process of diving deep into the gospel. I pray that you would give them a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, that they would be rooted deeply in the realities of being loved ones in Christ, that for some of these folk, they would find themselves on a brand new adventure of, uh, of exploring the gospel in new ways, and it would be life transforming both for them and actually good news would flow through them. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.